our 14th episode featuring an interview with Andy Baker from Andy Mark. I conducted this interview two weeks ago at IRI. It's an amazing interview and I know you'll love it. We have a very special episode with Andy Baker. How are you doing, sir? Great, Luke. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to get a chance to interview you and talk more. So what is Andy Mark? Andy Mark is a company founded by Mark Coors and myself. Our wives thought we were really creative with how we named the company. But the intent was to really help first teams build robots in an easier manner so it's not so difficult to find parts to make a competitive robot. And over the years, that kind of morphed into not just selling parts for first teams, but also making and selling parts for people that want to build a contraption or they have a hobby for something, or they want to build a robot, mostly mobile robots, not so much industrial robots, Mm -hmm. unless that industrial robot is like a prototype of something. So you actually started as a first parts developer, I would say. Yeah, Mark and I were were both mentors um, on Team 45, which I'm a mentor now on 45 again. I was off for 11 years on a different team. Mm Long story there. <laughs> but Mark stayed on that team for many years. He retired from Andy Mark, and then he passed away two years ago. So back when we started the company in 2004, there were no off-the-shelf parts that were really designed specifically for mechanical challenges in first. There was IFI or VEX had some electronic parts since mm-hmm. like 99 and 2000 that were really effective and have been really effective for first teams, but no one was selling mechanical parts, small gearboxes, omni wheels, mechanum wheels, shifting gearboxes, aluminum sprockets, even yeah. all those things you just couldn't get. Yeah. And I remember one of like 2002, 2003, I was a mentor on a team and I remember making very vividly making seven separate purchases to get pneumatic components on a robot. So it was just, it was hard. I mean, I knew how to spec it out. I'm an engineer. That's what I did at work. I, I built automated equipment at Delphi. So I knew how to do these things, but it's just hard to go find the part that you needed. So to have a one-stop shop to handle many of the challenges and offer different solutions for students and teams to utilize, I believe it made not as painful to build, to design and build a robot, therefore making the teens more sustainable. They can carry on from year to year. Yeah. How did this idea come apart? I mean, everyone knows that you have problems, but how did you get the idea to start a whole entire company dedicated to solving that problem? Back in 2000, year 2000, we started Team 45, started in the summer after the competition season in 2000, putting out fully edited and vetted design packages or print packages for FRC teams to copy and use. That started a a movement where other teams would release design packages and teams would utilize those packages. I started getting phone calls from people that said, we like your designs, we just don't have access to CNC equipment to build these things, so would you just sell this stuff to us? I went to ask some other vendors that were somewhat involved with the market if they would be interested in working with me. No one really said anything positively. I asked a couple guys, actually two guys that were on mentors on Team 45. Mark is one of them that said yes. I asked the school that was the, the school that 45 is based out of. I asked if they wanted to be involved mm-hmm. to making the parts because they have a career center, and they said. Heck no. They didn't, want to, they, wouldn't, they didn't want to go into that area. And so we just started making simple parts. And so we were still working full-time at Delphi, actually for three years. We worked full-time. We started Andy Mark at that time. 
and I was the lead mentor on, on Team 45, and we both had our families, we both had our full-time jobs. It was hard. It was yeah. probably the, one of the hardest times I've been through with the company is just getting us started. It was not trivial. Yeah, I imagine. So let's transition a little bit more talking about FIRST Robotics itself. Yeah. So you said you mentored Team 45. What was that like? So when I got on the team, it was 1998. And my first year on the team, we won the world championships. Wow, so that's that awesome. Was Great way to start off. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of wild. We had a lot of luck, but we also had a really good group of kids. We had a really good group of mentors. It was really kind of the perfect storm with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife that year, oh, this is only a six-week challenge. That's all it is. But it turned out to be a life-changing event, right? So I had a lot of good experiences with the students and stayed on as a team. And actually, my last year on the team was supposed to be 2001. But my wife realized this was good that I was doing this. We made a compromise that I needed to still do this. I gave up some other things. And I was able to continue as a mentor. Then eventually run Andy Mark as a mentor still. And then back in 2011, I left Technocats as a mentor and started a new team where my daughters went to high school. They didn't have a FRC team. Okay. So we started 3940 Cybertooth. And so that team grew to be very self-sustaining and they didn't need me as much. And after my daughters graduated, I hopped back on Technocat because they didn't have as much technical mentorship recently. Okay. So they need me more, so I'm back with them. Awesome. So. You talked about how you mentor this team for a long time now, and you've even gone on to develop your own FRC team. What changes have you noticed in your life that FIRST has brought to you? Oh, in my life? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I'm a better parent. I'm a better dad because of FIRST. I think it'd be the same if I was like a baseball coach or a basketball coach, but working with high school kids, I think what I've learned over the years, I see what parents do wrong. When I work with their with kids, I see how parents sometimes succeed and sometimes they don't do so well and so they make poor decisions or whatever. And I see the effects on these kids. And so that has made me a better parent. I think it's with the compromises that my wife and I made to each other, it's made me a better husband, I think, personally. We now work together, my wife and I, so she helps me run the company. And so if you had asked me that 20 years ago, could I work with my wife? I would say no. Most married couples would say no, yeah. but now we do. And we know kind of where the lines are. Bluntly, she runs the house and she tells me what to do around the house and I run the business and I tell her what to do with the business. So that kind of works for us. I, I kind of, yeah. I don't tune out when I go home, but I, I don't, I mean, she has more of a plan of what we're doing on a personal life than I do. And I have much more of a plan of what we're doing on a business than, than she does. We both support each other that way, but it is a good compromise for us. I think I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, and I've learned how to compromise better as a human. Those kind of things keep me mentoring and have made me a better person, I think, through, through mentoring students. That's an awesome answer, and it, I think it just goes to show how the uniqueness of FIRST brings yeah. so many different changes in so many different ways to people's lives that you may never even think of if you're just looking at a person. And then, right. But once you get to know them, you learn about how much of an awesome impact that FIRST makes. What changes would you notice in your daughters when they went through FIRST? Yeah. What th how did they develop as people? <laughs> So I have three daughters that all went through the program, and my youngest one just turned 21 this week. We're going out to dinner tonight to celebrate. It's nice. the first time we've been together since she turned 21. And Happy belated birthday. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I think what FIRST has done for them, not only the program and their work on the team, but also, maybe even more importantly, their access and exposure to really cool mentors. 
men and women, both, have been really great mentors to my kids. They have access to these really awesome people who they know around the nation, around the world even, that they can ask advice to, or they can lean on, or they can call their friend. I think those things, the things they learn within their team, but also the exposure that they get these, this series of mentors is really a wonderful thing. It's, it's kind of a very unique thing. If they were in a theater program, which they were, they, were, they did basketball, volleyball, tennis, theater, and choir, and wow. student leaders. They, they were kids. I mean, like, yeah. other, other, there's other programs, and you learn things within those programs. Sure, you learn how to, if you're a football team, you learn how to play football, you learn leadership, you learn um, perseverance through, through some tough situations. Those are great things, but the access to, and first, the access to the, the mentor network is very unique, and you don't really get access to people who can hire you or the diversity of, especially geography diversity of, you, you get to meet people. Over here, we're at IRI. We're meeting people from Mexico. We're meeting people from Canada, New York City, Colorado, Miami. There's all, there's people all over the place. So, and we all have this wonderful thing in common of being good first teams. We have a passion for first because we're here. That collective passion is pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your favorite part about first? What makes you keep coming back to it? I think my favorite part about FIRST is seeing the maturity that kids go through. Um, a young woman who's, who's very shy and meek as a freshman and sophomore, and then by the time she's going through and she, she, she graduates and then she goes off to college and she becomes a, a young leader, and seeing that progression from a, a meek kind of clueless young kid, smart, but not experienced at all, and to become a, a young lady who's a really strong contributing member of society, and you saw that progression, that's the best part, is getting to know these kids and seeing them become young adults who, who really become, they transition from being a person who is definitely, you see as a kid, and they become a friend. You can depend on them, they can depend on you, and you have, it's more of a peer-to-peer -peer relationship as opposed to a mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah. And that, that's really special to see a kid become an adult and to be part of that transformation. That's, I always like that. So we're at this really awesome off-season event, IRI. Yeah. What's the whole backstory behind that? How did this idea become? Okay, <clears throat> I'll try to make this short. It has to be long, <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to make it short. In 1999, our team, 45, we went out to... Um, Plymouth, Massachusetts, to go to Rumble at the Rock. And it was a 46 team event in 1999. And we were invited because we were a runner up in the Worlds after the year we won Worlds. It was a two year, really good run. So we were invited. We had a great time at their event. And we said, we could do that. So in 2000, we had an event in Indiana at, in Kokomo called IRI. And we invited a bunch of teams. About 21, 22 teams showed up, just Midwest teams. Mm -hmm. And then it got bigger the next year. And then it got big enough the third year where the teachers on Team 45 came to me and said, well, we're teachers. Our, part of our deal is we, we want the summer off. Yeah. We don't have to work on hosting this event. We'd rather not do this anymore, just in Kokomo. I said, okay, well, let's find some other teams that want to do it in Indy. Plus, it's going to be bi it's going to get bigger. And Indy is a better place to travel to anyway for teams outside of Indiana. So let's have it in, in Indy. So we found a team that was starting a new team that year. That was 1024 kilobytes. Chris Foltz on 234 said, I will help run this event. He's a good friend of mine. And he said, I'll, 
I can take this over as the lead guy. And I said, I will be your right-hand man. We'll just do this. So since 2002, we've ran the event out of Indianapolis at Lawrence North High School. Twice it's been not at the high school, and this is one of those years. And so over the years, we've had excellent competition. I think it was probably 2008 or 2009, it got to be a more exclusive event where we had more applications than we had spots for the invite. Wow. And so that was thrilling, but also kind of a bummer to the Indiana teams that were depending on coming to this event every year. We chose, we didn't have to, we chose to say no to some of the teams in Indiana. They just weren't very competitive. And so we wanted to make this event focused on the highly competitive team. That was on purpose. And um, one friend of mine out east kind of was making fun of IRI once, and he said, well, the IRI, that's where the egos come to play. Like, <laughs> It's actually true. So it, it's, yeah. the, it's the best teams. So one year that was our theme on our T-shirt, where the egos come to play. So, <laughs> so over the years we've, we've had really good teams and really good matches. We claim the best teams in the world will come to IRI to see each other and to, and to play. And we also have a lot of fun. We, we usually have some extracurricular activities, like we've had mentor matches in the past. We have crazy fundraisers like we had a kiss the pig contest one year <laughs> we've had talent shows we've had bands play we've had like a comedian show up and give a wow. show we've, usually we have a team dinner for everybody we're not doing that much this year because yeah. of covid and this isn't our home base so we're not as comfortable with doing some of the things like that but it's kind of turned out to be two things it's, it's on one hand it's become like the premier summer event for the high-end teams, the, the high competing teams. And the second thing, it, it's kind of become the social event for firsters in the summer. So you might not have a team, but if you want to be where it's at, where the firsters are at in the summer, in July, you come to Indiana. And there's a lot of people that come here just to hang out with their friends yeah. who are in first or in, and see some really good robot action. So. There's other really competitive events, and they are great at other things, but we think IRI is one of the best events of the year, especially off-season events of the year, and we're really proud of what we've done here. Yes, yeah, certainly. I've heard people even say that it's more competitive than the World Championship. What do you have to say to that? I think it is at times because the World Champs has more teams, and it's, it's when you get more teams, you get more dilution amongst mm -hmm. the, the high-end teams. So if you look at a, a division at Worlds, it's not going to be as competitive as IRI because there's just more teams in the division. Yeah. I think the Worlds is awesome. I think there's many, oh, many yeah, kids sure. that are thrilled to be at Worlds. And that's what, believe it or not, Worlds has never been about only the elite top-end teams. Yes, it's for sure. like the rookie all-stars get to go. The teams that don't win an event get to go. Chairman's Award, EI. And that's a good thing. I, I think Worlds should not be like IRI. So maybe that's IRI's role is to be that elite team competition and that's kind of what that's where we found ourselves over the years so what is one thing that someone might not know behind the scenes about IRI I don't think teams realize this but it's really a, it's a cooperation between three teams that run IRI this year it's actually four teams it's 234 is the lead team they have been since 2002 um, 45 handles setting up the practice field and the pits and the electrical 234 handles all the volunteer food they handle many of the volunteers they usually handle the the team dinner set up tear down of the main field and then 1024 handles set up tear down but they also handle all the concessions and then this year we have 4928 galactech and they are handling the facility which is a big deal awesome. and they're also so their students have been great to set up and tear down so Many events, you see one team hosting the event. 
And that's good for that team, but if that team has some drama or has some turnover yeah. or has something that happens with that team, then the event doesn't continue. Yeah. So we've had years where we've had to cover for each other at this event, and that's okay. And I think we get along really well. And we all kind of have a good agreement between us that all three main teams will be involved. I'm not sure what's going to happen next year exactly. We've had such a great time working with Galactic. I'm not sure what their role is going to be next year. That'll be a good challenge to figure that out. <laughs> I assume we're going to go back to Lawrence North. It's a great facility. Have you been to that facility I before? have not. This is our team yeah. first time going to IRI. It's so. just huge. It's just a huge... Like, bigger than this? Well, well, the pits and the gym are both bigger than here. And wow. they're re the reason why they were here is they're renovating the gym to make it even bigger. Wow. So it's just crazy. But the pit at Lawrence North, where IRI usually is, is a big field house. So there's a track around the perimeter. Oh, okay. You, you can have 100 pits in the perimeter of the track. And here we only can have 43 pits in the gym. And it's pretty tight. So yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to going back there. This has been great. It's a nice facility, but it's hard to beat Lawrence North. It's just a really fabulous facility. I might just be getting some uh, small town shock coming from Hemlock, but yeah, we were really, I mean, this school is huge compared to where we're from, so oh. I can't even imagine seeing Lawrence North. So Indiana is famous for having very large gymnasiums, like mm -hmm. the, the basketball gymnasiums for boys and girls basketball. Are, uh, there are things that school boards would compete with each other to see who could build the biggest ones. Wow. So of, like, of the 20 biggest high school gymnasiums in the nation, Indiana has 12 of those. Like crazy. And this one isn't even This one isn't even on the top 20 in Indiana. This is a big gym, but it, it's small compared to like... A few, there's there's one that's like ten thousand students, ten thousand seats, and nine thousand. It's crazy. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why they did, <laughs> but obviously they did it. Oh, I know why. They obviously did. They built these gymnasiums in Indiana to host robotic competitions. Obviously, right? <laughs> no, not really. But yeah. We want to think that's perfect. Though. Yeah, it is. It is nice. <laughs> it's almost like they had it in mind somewhere down the road. <laughs> they just didn't know it. The, the key thing is to have a nice facility like this is to have a gym that holds maybe three or four thousand people, with another gym right next to it that you can put your pits in. That's the yep. key secret sauce is having two gyms that are close enough together, where you don't have to haul your robot a quarter mile down and back or something. But yeah, a lot of these Indiana gyms have their main gym and then they have their practice gym next door where it makes it really easy to have a pit. Yeah, I mean, you know, even having a load-in center at this school, I'm sure the uh, Lawrence has that as well. But yeah. So I just want to quickly go back to Andy Mark and ask, what's something that even the most like avid follower of Andy Mark does not know? Something that's behind the scenes that you and maybe only a few select others know about? Okay, um, when Mark and I started the company, we came up, we, I, I mentioned we came up with this really ingenious name, Andy Mark, right? And I think another thing, we had all these different, I think there's a little folder, like a notebook, kind of like yours, and it had all these different names in it. And one of the names was Kabam, K-B-A-M, like Kabam. That was, that was going to be a name of the company. Coors, Baker, Andy, Mark, those are our four names, Kabam. And I haven't told that one to hardly anybody, so that that's a little, that's a tidbit that would that might be nice. Awesome. But yeah, well, kabam. So my last question for you is going to be: Where do you see future first robotics innovation going? What do you think is like the next big thing? I would suppose. Uh, I think they. It's kind of expensive, but if the first 
if FRC Game Design Committee and the teams can kind of embrace the whole RF tag situation, like there's a company called Zebra Zebra Systems, or they make radio frequency tags. So mm-hmm. you can put this tag on your robot. And you can drive around, and it, it gives it like a map of where all you went. Okay. If you everybody had an RF tag on the robot, scoring would be different. Yeah. You could have live scoring that was like, you could just count cycles of, of laps, or you can. And if RF tags were in game pieces, then that would be different, and it would be a lot easier to me to count scoring yeah. game pieces. So I think RF tags on the field would be really interesting to see what the, all the possibilities can be. We've had actually at IRI, we've had RF tags on robots like three or four years ago. It's just expensive to have it on everybody's robot. Yeah. And I know there's some events that do that. They did it at Worlds this year. So you can see like a, a map of where all... I do remember hearing that. The, uh, like it wasn't in the Einstein division where they would have the, yeah. the RF tag and you could like see everyone's path. On right, the, right. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So, so we can see it now, but if you think about it, what would we do with that? What could you do with that data? And could it be based on how we score the game? Yeah. Like if your team did six laps and we only did five laps or whatever, if you did covered the whole the field more and I was only in one quadrant, could you get a bonus point or something? I don't know, but it can be really you can be really creative and really uh, there's I'm sure there's tons of ideas that people could come up with with these RF tags. That so that's gonna be I think within the next five years we'll see something. I, I have no inside knowledge at first yeah. about that. I have a lot of inside knowledge at first because we work with them very closely. But nothing about that yeah. I'm, I'm talking to them about. Yeah, that would be a cool thing to see more of, I think. It would be just figure out how to, how to pay for it all. Yeah, it's a really unique idea. Yeah. Certainly. So is there anything else you want to add? I, I think, in general, it's, it's nice to be back to normal yes, somewhat sure. with regard to FIRST. <laughs> As a company owner who depends on FIRST for my company to be normal, obviously that's important to me. But I think also just... For people who love first, we were kind of bummed the last few years, and it, I know my staff was kind of frustrated. And I think once once they got out to events and they started seeing their kids and started seeing the impact of what they work on, make a positive impact on students, I think it helped boost their emotions mm-hmm. and not not only happy to be back, happy that the economics of running a business within this COVID culture but also the endorphin rush we get when we are doing what we like to do and people give us positive feedback for that. That's been a good thing over the past year. So that's been good. That's why I want to add that. It's been good to be back, obviously. Yes, but, for sure. But it's been good to be able to impact people's lives and make them happy again, really. Yeah, I mean, I know for myself, I first joined our team back in my freshman year, and that was... 2019 2020 so yeah. i did thankfully get to go to one event but <laughs> this year was actually my first full season and i'm already i'm coming to senior later yeah. this year so there's certainly a lot of kids who missed out i know some like graduating seniors in 2020 right. and even 2021 missed out on a lot so it is awesome to get back to normal you've, and, you've stuck it out and you yeah. now you you see the other side of the hill that you had to climb up the last couple yeah. of years yes so for sure yeah Good for you. Thank That's you cool. very much for joining me, Andy. Yeah, this has been this has been great, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bulb. Please subscribe, share with your friends and family, and leave a five-star rating. Want to ask a question and get featured on The Bulb? Leave a voice message at the link in the description, and we'll play it in our next episode. Make sure to tune in next week for an exciting update on The Bulb.
If you have any questions, please send us a message on our social media platforms. Links to those are in the description. Thank you.